Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Episode 262. I'm going to call this The Doctor. And I think you'll understand why a little later. Um... It is uh, Your Tech Life. This is the show where hopefully I can help you, uh, I can educate you, I can inform you. Um, if you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, just jump on the website, EFTM, everything for the man, EFTM.com.au, or if you uh, struggle with that, YourTechLife.com goes the same place. Uh, you can call 1-800-157-157, or you can get on Twitter. Follow all the accounts, my account, at Trevor Long, at Your Tech Life and at EFTM. And uh, I'll try and help you there. Uh, most of the time, I'll hopefully get you on the show here as well. Now, actually, stack of calls on the line. Uh, Cameron, Darren, Jason, Vicky. Um, I don't think we're going to have time tonight. I've got a, I've got three really cool stories to tell you, and um, and, and a lot of news as well. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about your bathroom. I'm going to talk about cars. I'm going to talk about AIDS research. I'm going to talk about going to the beach. I'm going to talk about your feet. I'm going to talk about addiction in gaming. And uh, we're going to talk about stereotypes or archetypes. It's <laughs> There is a lot to cover. And uh, hopefully uh, a little bit of diversity there for you. And hopefully you enjoy the show. This is your tech life. This is the place for you to get uh, the latest information and details about technology. Uh, a little bit quirky perhaps sometimes. And uh, if you've got a question about technology, just jump on the line, say good day, and I'll try and help you out. And it's all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS Technologies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. That is all you've got to do each and every week. And please subscribe. Uh, your Tech Life. And I'll do my weekly uh, touch base here um, on, uh, on on comments on uh, iTunes. So if you're on iTunes, uh, you're downloading via iTunes, Jump onto iTunes Store, find your tech life again, make sure you're subscribed, and uh, leave a comment. Don't just leave a star rating, leave a comment, because it helps other people go, oh, I might listen to that. Uh, very useful for other people. And uh, and if you're listening on Pocket Casts, hey, let me know, because I'm keen on the whole stats and love to know where you're listening. But a couple of comments this week from uh, uh, BBLETIS. It's a very interesting username, but anyway, I must listen, five stars. As the home IT help desk, I need to keep up to date with what's happening in the IT world and improve my IT environment. Trevor gives great advice and honest reviews every week. Thanks, Trevor, and thank you. Uh, from Biggeth Waveth Daveth. Uh, that's very good. Can't get enough. Thank you, Dave. Uh, as someone with more money than sense. Oh, geez, good on you, mate. I really need Trevor's wisdom and tech know-how to help me spend my green with some higher purpose and smarts. Well, Dave, look, if you've got more money than sense, get in touch. I've got some great investment ideas. Seriously, get in touch, send me an email. Uh, but uh, thank you for the comment. Uh, from CTK Sydney, awesome podcast. Keep me up to date with technology. Um, love the work Trevor does to keep his listeners up to date with tech, and he does an awesome job. I've been listening since day dot and appreciate the unbiased reviews of gadgets and the like. Very highly recommended indeed. And do follow him on Twitter and Facebook. That's a great idea. And I think the last one since last week is uh, from It's Me, YD. Avid listener, very informative and insightful information makes me drive to work. Makes my drive to work on Wednesday very entertaining. Trevor does a wonderful job being mindful. He's talking to himself in a man cave. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Thank you. That is very true. I am sitting here talking to myself in a man cave, but it's the way I enjoy it. If I was, if you were all sitting in a room, let's say we had, I'm not going to brag. The room's not too big, okay? But it's, I'm pretty happy with the size of the room. 
that you're all sitting in. Um, if you were all sitting in a room, I, I wouldn't be able to do this. It'd be crazy. Uh, but anyway, that's all, that's all good. Thank you for your uh, th- for your comments. Um, I'm going to get in touch with Garmin, and I'm going to send a Garmin Vivo Fit to CCK Sydney. So you need to email me with clear and honest proof that you are the person who left that comment. If you can't prove prove it within a shadow of a doubt, then I can't help you. But um, so be life. But I appreciate your comments. 78 people have commented. 134 people have left a rating. And that's big numbers. Um, the most commented and rated technology podcast in Australia. So I appreciate that. And hope the it continues. Uh, this is Your Tech Life. So I saw something very cool on Twitter yesterday. And I immediately contacted the person who left it there. His name's Ian Siler. And he tweeted a photo, um, my first smart mirror. And I went, hey, what's going on there? Now, I've seen these technologies at CES, big companies, Panasonic, TCL, uh, big companies dealing with you know smart glass, smart mirrors, smart everything. But this thing's on Kickstarter. As of this morning, this thing's on Kickstarter. It's called the Smart Mirror. Uh, you can find all the information, links, photos at eftm.com.au. It's a smart mirror that shows you useful information. Basically, it's a wooden frame, piece of glass, and it's got an LCD screen behind it which projects some information through the mirror. So you can see like weather information, you can see the time right there in front of you while you're brushing your teeth or doing your hair. I think it's very cool. I've backed it. That's how much I love it. Um, I think I've paid 300 bucks to get it, including shipping to Australia. Um, there are 30 days for it to get fully backed. Uh, he only wants five grand, and he's already, what would that be? He's got nearly a grand, so he's already nearly one-fifth of the way there. It won't take much. So, to be honest, it won't be great. It won't be brilliant, but it will be awesome. And what I mean by that is, seriously, you put this thing in your entryway, and people will be like, what, what, what's that? And you'll be able to brag. Such a bragathon this is, right? It's got a little computer inside it, Wi-Fi. So cool. So, so cool. So I want you to have a look at that. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. I want you to back it. Now, you can just show some love with five bucks. You won't get anything. But if you're fast enough, you can be one of the people that gets it. In Australia, it'll be two ninety nine Canadian with including shipping. I think it's just cool. So if you're like me and love technology and you've got 300 spare, jump onto eftm.com.au. I get no kickbacks. This is just something I found on the internet. Uh, and have a look at the smart mirror. I'm telling you, when this arrives at your doorstep, it will be the thing that impresses people most about your home. It'll be so cool. So check that out at eftm.com.au. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. But travel along's the world's best techie.
my mates, the Robertson brothers. Thank you very much, boys. I still love playing that. I don't care that we've been playing it for weeks and weeks and months. Um, I think it's fun. So thank you, boys. And uh, thank you to the people that send me emails appreciating it. It's a bit of fun. Now, I went along to the Audi Centre Sydney Service Centre last week. <clears throat> Popped down in my lunch break. And they invited me to have a look at this new service centre. Now, this is EFTM, right? This is, we, we review cars. I, I love cars. I didn't think it was going to be a tech story. It was mind-numbing. So they've built, I mean, if anyone in, anyone who lives in Sydney or has driven to the airport in Sydney would know, there's a huge Audi dealership on Southern Cross Drive. It's the, it's the main kind of drag down to the airport. Seven-story building. It's beautiful. It's huge. Lots of cars in there, but it's also the head office of Audi in Australia. It, uh, it doesn't have a service centre. It has a couple of desks downstairs, and they serve a couple of cars. Across the road, a new shopping centre has been built. There's a service centre in the shopping centre. What? Anyway, so I went along, and there's a level of the car park. You drive in, and it says Audi service. You drive in there, big arrows, very easy to guide through. You park your car. You, you walk, you drive in, sorry, to this red um, zone that's kind of all taped off and, and painted red, and, and a service advisor will come up to you, to you with an iPad with a service technician standing next to them, so someone that theoretically will be working on your car. They'll, they've got your booking because you booked online, Right, So you've booked online, you can change your booking online, and then you can see on the iPad your own booking, you can confirm what you're doing, it gives you an estimate on the price, you go and sit down, enjoy free Wi-Fi, enjoy coffee or whatever, or you, you get a shuttle bus or a luxury car back to work, and then they, they let you know it's done, and you come back and you have a, a briefing with, with, the, with the technician on, you know, and again on an iPad they work through and it's all paid for and done. From a customer level, that's not a huge high-tech thing, but iPads at the, at the service centre itself is very cool, in my opinion. And then... The next thing is that a technology level, the place, there's no oil. When they take the oil out of your car, they use it like a vacuum. It sucks it out into the floor and down to a receptacle. There's no grease and oil in this joint. There's computers everywhere. There is a high-tech wheel alignment machine. And plus, there's this thing that they drive your car onto, which can detect the brake bias, the wheel alignment, staggering stuff. If you own an Audi, you just book in there for fun, just, just to see what it's like. Mind-blowing. It's beautiful. Biggest Audi service centre in the Southern Hemisphere. I've written and written about it and taken some photos up at eftm.com.au. Um, very impressive stuff. If you love your tech and you love your cars, it is kind of drill-worthy. So well worth a look. Check it out at eftm.com.au. Thank you for listening. If you've got a question about technology, problems with technology, doesn't matter what it is, jump on the website, eftm.com.au or on Twitter, at Trevor Long. Now, this one came across my desk, and I must admit, didn't know whether to take it seriously. Uh, a new app that helps you buy the best athletic shoes. Not the best in terms of, you know, this is the best quality and this is, you know, the best in everything. This is the best for your foot. And when I thought, well, how's that possible? It's an app. I mean, what am I going to draw my foot? So I thought we better get the uh, the man with all the experience in this field. And this is pretty amazing stuff. The, the depth of knowledge you're about to experience from this man is uh, Dr. Michael Kinchington. G'day, Michael. How are you? Trevor, great to be with you. I'm doing well. Thank you. So you are a podiatrist to the stars, essentially. Uh, Sydney Swans, the Wanderers. You, you know your stuff when it comes to podiatry, when it comes to feet. And really, you've done more research than anyone I've ever heard about into, into shoes and, and, and reviewing shoes, looking at shoes, understanding which shoes fit the right foot uh, and, and suit the right foot. 
Uh, how do you take that and put it in an app? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, one of the issues that um, I see day to day in my practice is people asking, what is the best shoe uh, for my foot? Um, I have a particular injury. I've hurt my knee. I've rolled my ankle. I have shin splints. I have plantar fasciitis. And the running shoe that I want to buy just doesn't seem to make me better. And how do I go about finding the right shoe? Mm. And when you think about it, a consumer is confronted by a wall of over 100, 200 shoes when they go into a store. And they're either going to get that information from um, the shoe salesperson Mm. who is selling the shoes. They're going to get that information from their best mate who they're running with, which, you know, may be credible, but, you know, may not be particular to you. Or you're going to get that information from glossy advertising. And it it sort of struck me that, that in the retail world, this was the only consumer item where the consumer was actually disempowered, had a, had a lack of knowledge, unless they went to see a health professional to get specific advice. Because retail is an interesting space, and it, it, I know nothing about uh, uh, sports retail, let alone shoe retail, but certainly in consumer electronics, it's great that there's a lot of products, but there are also kickbacks to retailers, There's um, whether there's preferential treatment in store because a, a big brand has paid a lot of money to be at the front of the store. It happens in, in grocery stores as well. I'm sure it happens in, in, in the, the big sports and shoe stores where, you know, big brands are going to pay for that eye-level attention and stuff like that. And, you know, also your mates and your friends, they're very loyal to shoe brands often. So it is hard to get genuine advice on shoe type, let alone foot type, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt, and this is why I I first developed Shoe Buddy um, back in September of last year, 2013, mm. and primarily it was for my patients to access the latest information in running shoes um, and provide a framework, I suppose, around exercise footwear mm. from a perspective that would be informative, would be practical, and help make them get an informed decision regarding the correct shoe. Mm. Because there is, as you say, a lot of misinformation in the marketplace. So when I received this press release, (laughs) I thought to myself, hang on, I don't understand. How do you suggest a shoe to me uh, when it's an app? I mean, you you know, it's not touch sensitive. I can't put my foot on on an iPad. Uh, So explain, and I've done this, so I'll 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 join in, but explain to me how you tell your mates, what you've done with the app and how you scan someone's foot. Yeah, and it's been, it's been great fun putting it together and I've had uh, terrific feedback and um, um, my mates um, love it. Um, basically what you do, Trevor, is you um, take an imprint of your foot, wet, wet the bottom of your foot, stand on, on a, on a um, piece of cardboard or a concrete surface, and your imprint will be there. Mm. You then simply use your mobile device, whether it be a tablet or phone, and you take a photo of, of that. And so essentially it's a method for generating foot characteristic information on foot type, arch height, the length and width of the foot. And it uses, and what it really does is it, it uses um, an array of uh, a pixel algorithm um, to determine differences between, you know, dark, dark and light shading. So, and so 
people with kids would know um, uh, how this works because their kids will be getting um, uh, getting out of the shower and putting their foot on the on the bath mat and going, ah, oh, look, footprints. My kids do it all the time, and that's essentially what you need. Now it's very interesting because I um, I did this about two hours ago. I found a just a paper bag, brown you know brown paper bag. I actually thought, is this too too glossy for this to work? I, I wet my foot, I stuck it on there, and I, I looked at it and I went, that's not my footprint because it was too wet. So I, I, I kind of patted it off, and then I stamped it down again on the other side. And it was such a light footprint that I assumed I'd have to do it again. And, mate, the app, boom, straight away, up it came. Um, it's, it's gone now, so I can't tell you. I think it was high arch or something like that. But I looked at the footprint on the screen. I looked at the footprint on the – and I went, this is – yeah, this is, this is it. So, And at that point, once you've got my, my foot type, you're able to then show me shoes specifically for that foot type. Yeah, so um, shoes are categorised in a a number of ways. Um, They're classified by structural characteristics, they're classified by quality, and they're classified by cost. Now, this app isn't concerned about cost so much because, you know, you can always find a bargain somewhere, but to classify by structural characteristics and quality is very important. And then, and then any of these shoes can be split into you know, three structural categories, shoes that are suitable for a high arch, shoes that are suitable for a medium arch, and likewise for a very um, flat foot. Mm. You can then, then you can um, cl- classify them into quality categories where high-quality shoes may offer more luxurious features mm-hmm. that last you know, a, a long time and provide more cushioning, etc., um, and lower quality shoes may still be suitable for your foot, but they offer less luxurious features. So they may, they may not last quite as long, but they may suit what you need to do at any particular time. And I noticed also it asked me then for you know, my gender, my age, and then it gave yeah. it, it didn't ask for my weight, but it subtly just showed me a graph that indicated that I was a bit heavier and it would, my shoes wouldn't last as long. I, I took the hint, don't worry. Um, and <laughs> it's interesting to me because we've never met, but I'm, um, well, shall we say big boned. And uh, and I uh, I did it's, this. You're going to hate this. This is going to be like you're going to grimace. But um, I agreed last year to do a charity walk. Now the, the 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 long and the short of it was a friend of a friend was doing this 20k charity walk, and I went charity 20k's. That's easy. My wife went, don't be stupid. And I said I could do that anyway. So I've agreed to do a 20k walk. I wouldn't walk 500 meters in my life. Anyway, so I, I went to Kmart and bought a pair of cheapo shoes, and you know practiced, you know uh, trained as you might say. And, uh, and did the walk. And I've got to be honest, um, I don't notice any difference, but I have no doubt that if I actually spent some time, I could do a lot better and get better support, probably better better deal for my feet in the long run if I actually spent the time and, and effort getting the right shoes. But that's what people do, isn't it? They just buy cheapo things because they're on a budget or whatever it is. I actually think it, 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 it's people are willing to spend the money if they had the information available. Mm. And, this is, and, and this is one of the features of ShoeBuddy. It provides the consumer with a library bank of shoes, of yeah. non-biased information. It's not polluted by marketing. Um, and you can actually, in your leisure time, analyse your foot, have a look at the shoe library, read about the shoes, and then you can make the decision. And all of a sudden, that wall of 200, 300 shoes that confronts you when you go into the store is now reduced down to five or six shoes. Much easier concept. Let let me understand this. I mean, I have a pretty lucky life. I get to play with very cool tech. I have a lot of phones and gadgets here. 
do you just get a lot of shoes sent to you so that you can look at them? How does that work? I mean, you've got to know everything about these shoes. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, I would see every um, shoe that hits the, mar- hits the market um, 12 to 18 months before it's actually um, released. It gives me time to actually look at um, the shoes. Uh, and I understand this space. I've been, you know, been a podiatrist now for over 20, 20 years. Um, my, my master's research program was looking at shoe biomechanics, how the foot actually functions inside a shoe. And then, you know, um, my PhD research was then looking at injury with elite athletes. Mm-hmm. And footwear is critical, critical to um, determining performance and injury. And if you wear the wrong shoe for the wrong foot type, without question, you will get sore and more likely injured. But if you have the right shoe, you are going to enjoy that that exercise, that activity far, far more. Hmm. Well, it's a good education for people and it's easy to do. Um, and, and just explain to me, uh, the, the app is free to download, but to do the scanning part, it's like, was it six? I think I paid $6.50, something simple like that. Uh, it's actually it's actually three ninety nine, uh, Trevor. What did I pay? Um, I just paid something extra than I've downloaded yeah. the wrong app or something. <laughs> no, three 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 ninety nine on Google Play and shortly to be released um, in Apple. It's sitting in the Apple Store right at the moment. Uh, the free version in the Apple Store and the um, the premium version should be live later this week. Shoe Buddy is what it's called. Check it out and uh, scan your foot. Who would have ever thought? I mean, this is another one of those things where you say Steve Jobs could never have imagined that people would be scanning their feet to choose a shoe. Unbelievable. Good on you, mate, and I hope it goes really well for you. Trevor, thanks very much. I appreciate your interest in the app, and any time you want some more information, don't hesitate to give me a holler. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And you can get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com.au, jump on Twitter at Trevor Long or at VFTM or at Your Tech Life. You can get them all. Now, we've talked about feet and apps. That's enough mind-boggling stuff for one night, you'd think. But I have to talk about an app that has pretty much dominated my life for the last, uh, I don't know, few days or week. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed sharing it with people on the radio this week because I want everyone in this country to be as frustrated as I am by this app. Now, we've talked about, I mean, I was talking about it today. Probably Angry Birds was the first app that made me kind of addicted to, to an app or, or, or the smartphone experience. I'm sitting there and you just want to keep trying it, keep playing it. But I don't think that was because Angry Birds was an addictive game. I think it was because we were, this was so new, this idea of playing a game, let alone, you know, having fun on an iPhone. Now, last week, I think I talked about Two Dots, which is a really simple kind of join the dots thing. This week, ladies and gentlemen, Crossy Road. Now, Crossy Road is the modern-day Frogger, and it is driving me insane, and I have tracked down the two men who I hold fully responsible for my insanity and the insanity of my eight-year-old son, uh, Matthew Hall and Andy Sum, both from Victoria here in Australia. Matthew, Andy, uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome. Hello, Hi. thank you, and we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, bloody well, that's, you're very lucky you started with that, okay? Let's start on the right foot. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Let's, let's move on. Now, this is not your first app, but, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But Crossy Road, I open it up, and I'm, I'm trying not to open it here while we talk, because that would be rude of me to, to play the game <laughs> while we talked. But, I mean, you know, why not? 
I, I definitely can't get past like 20 while I'm talking to someone. But the idea here is every line on the screen, essentially, is a point. And every line can be something very different. It could be a, a blade of grass. It could be a, a lane on a road or a multi-lane road. It could be a train track. It could be a, a, a river with logs or, or petals on it, whatever the heck it might be. It's absolutely random. No, no two times you play the game is it the same. How on earth, how, who came up with the idea, first and foremost? Yeah, that was uh, that was me. I mean, the the game is inspired. It's just sort of a little bit of a mix between Flappy Bird and Frogger, but the idea of combining the two came from me. So where I mean, I can see Flop Frogger here. So Flappy Bird is just the concept of you've got to go and go and go and go and and go. The the key thing of Flappy Bird is that you can just die at any time. Like mm. from the very first time you touch the screen, you could be dead within a second. Yes. And we wanted to have that <laughs> to make it as frustrating as possible, as you say. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's really, I mean, what's interesting here is when I play the game, and let's be clear, so the further you go, the the higher your score, and really, that's just it. You just keep going, and you keep going, and keep going, and then you, mm. you, you, the good thing is when you hit your best score, there's a line on the screen that shows, that's like the the gold medal line or the world record line on the pool and the Olympics. Yep, yep. Um, uh, but also, there's, there's coins, and there's different animals you can get, so there is a bit of that gamification. It's interesting because... I only play it to go further, whereas my son leaps around the page trying to collect the coins to get yeah. new things. What What's behind that differentiation of the way the game can be played? Well, collection is, is a really strong is a really strong instinct in most people, and so if if it was just a game about crossing a road, people would be finished with the game very quickly. But by putting all these animals and characters in to collect, we make it a game you can play for a really long time and have fun. So, Andy, do you, is, do you guys have a separate roles here? Does one of you the, the hardcore coder and the other one the graphic designer, or how does that work in a relationship like this? Uh, I mean, Matt and me live quite far apart, so we do all our work online, and we pretty much do similar jobs. We're both doing programming, both doing design. Um, yeah, we just go backwards and forwards and sort of divide up the tasks between us. Yeah. Is it actually, there, you're gone. Sorry, we're actually quite disparate ages. So I'm 39, Andy's 24. Yeah. But our, our you know, upbringing has been quite similar and we discovered making games when we were kids and we never stopped. So how do you come across each other? You're in the same industry, you, you work in the same business company or how does that work? There's meetups every year. There's uh, Game Connect Asia Pacific. So Andy and I first, I guess you would say, first started to hang out there about a year ago. Mm. And we came up, we said, well, let's try and make a game together. And we spent all year trying to figure out <laughs> what game to make. <laughs> took a long time to decide on something we both liked. Yeah. Is it, is it, I mean, the funny thing about these games, and Flappy Bird to, was probably the first one in my mind, that mm. is, I mean, there's, there's a term for it, 8-bit or something like that, but it's just so simple in terms of graphics. It's not like you've had to have a graphic designer to design cars that go on a road. These are very simple block shapes that are, they look excellent, don't get me wrong, but it's not, you know, PlayStation-style graphics. Does that make the, make the development of a game so much simpler and quicker these days as well? Yeah, it does. Um, so the art, the art's done by a, a, a guy called Ben Weatherall, who I've worked with on previous occasions, mm. and he's been working with this um, voxel tool for the last year, and he's gotten pretty good at it. And so I really wanted to make a game with these crazy creations he'd been making all year. Now, Andy, what's your favourite character in the game? Uh, I'd have to say mine's the duck, the mallard. Um, he's is just the, really. Is that the default one? No, it's oh, the second right. one. Um, oh, okay. I just really like the sounds he makes. He sounds like he doesn't want to be there at all, and he's quacking really angrily the whole time. So I think, yeah, it's really cool that everyone's got their own favorite character. So yeah. 
so Andy, the, my next most important question, mainly because it's frustrating me, do they all travel at the same speed or is there a difference between the characters? <laughs> yeah, they all move at the same speed. They've all got the same uh, hitbox, so it doesn't matter which character you play, they're all the same. I feel um, like the hipster whale, while it's awesome, is a bit slow. No, it's definitely the same as the rest of them. Um, Some of them are harder than others because the lighting changes or the environment yeah. or the, the game tries to annoy you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know that. I love that you've built it to do that. Yeah. And yeah. is Some it, a, is it like an that. eagle that flies by and collects me when I'm being lazy and trying too hard to avoid moving? Yeah. Why? Why the eagle? Is that just because otherwise people would sit there for too long? And you need to have a challenge, don't you? Yeah, you have something like project. Yeah. We brainstormed for a while over what that animal could be, and we eventually settled on <laughs> a huge eagle that carries you away. Okay. In its the most important question at the very moment, right now, Andy, yep. your top score. Uh, mine's about four hundred and seventy, I think, which is now not that great compared to all the people that have been playing. And Matthew. I'm 330 because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that leads me to a a very important question, which really has annoyed me. Oh, you fixed it, though. There was people in the leaderboard that were on 99999. Oh, yeah. How did that happen? Because it happened with Flappy Bird as well, and it felt really – it took away the challenge of the game to me. So, um, that's actually – Apple has – it's it's running using Apple's Game Center, and there's very little security on that. So anyone with a jailbreaking phone can actually post these fake scores. Oh. But Apple have since allowed us to remove them. So every now and then we go in and nope, 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 and we ban them, and they can't come back again. So is there a way that you can check? So number one, scrapper scrapper or something is nine hundred and seventy four. Seems like legitimate because it's a random yeah. number. No. Can, can you cross fake. reference? No. Fake. Yeah, the highest score. What is it now, Andy? Seven hundred and seven thirty-six. One of my friends got. Yeah, that one. Yeah, Bob Law. Because we've we verify them on Twitter. We make them post their score now, or else they <laughs> are disappeared. Yeah. Yep. But in oh, the next right. update, we're going to have some checks in there that'll make it a lot easier. So we'll know um, who's cheating and who's not. But See, we'll still have to go and remove them. Now I'm really yeah. worried because I that now seems achievable to me. Now let's be clear. I am fifty-seven thousandth in the ranking at one hundred and sixty-eight. <laughs> And can I tell you how frustrating it is to die at 167 again? <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, there's 1.5 million people in the scoreboard, so wow. you should definitely yeah. not feel bad. Yeah. Wow, my son got my eight-year-old got 153. Yeah. I feel really <laughs> good about good. that now. He's a very good player. <laughs> yeah, cool. we've we've had over 2 million downloads now. The game's been going really well. Yep. So, crucially then, that's the, that's the next big thing. There is in-app purchases. You can buy cool characters and stuff. Is it working for you? Monet- are you able to monetize it okay? Uh, yeah, it's it's going pretty well so far. We've got a few tweaks to do. That's what we're going to like. As soon as we're done here, we're going to run off and try and fix all the problems. Mm. But we we're, we're really happy with with how it's gone so far. So, Andy, is this a is this fun for you, or or do you see this as being the thing that can uh, maybe not pay off the house, but certainly you know give you a, a independence from the real world of uh, working <laughs> nine to five? I mean, yeah, that'd be great, but um, just at the moment, it's so cool having that many people playing it, and me and Matt are just thinking up all these ideas of, you know, new characters and things like that we want to put in, so just seeing all the tweets and everyone talking about it is actually really, really awesome. It is. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It becomes rewarding just through the fact that people are, uh, I mean, look, uh, 
I get quite chuffed when people download a podcast, right? And so yeah. you have this great feeling that someone is actually appreciating what you're doing. And you've got a couple of million people yeah. who have your app. And that's the cool thing. Now, when you release an update, you can see how many people get the update. You can see how many people are loading the game every single day, can't you? Yeah, well, it's accelerating from there. I, I would imagine we'll pass 3 million pretty soon. Yeah. And ha- crazy, how does the support from Apple go? Because obviously, I think you've been featured now in the Apple store. There's, there's, yeah. there's some good stuff going on there. It's actually really difficult to get featured at this time of year. So we're very, very, we're very lucky. Yeah. And so what next? I mean, is it just to continue evolving this or do you then have to say to yourself, no, I got to, we, we need, a, we need the next big thing too? Yeah. I, I don't know if we necessarily need to have much desire to work on the next big thing. Like we're both really creative people and like to do new experiences. And we've, we've yeah. been talking a lot, even through the development of Crossy <laughs> Road. What are we going to do next? Like we're really excited yeah. about the next thing. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people tweeting about it. And, uh, but I guess it's, it's funny because you can, you can monitor, you can see when people are talking about it on social. You can see stories yeah. written about it on websites and all that stuff. I haven't stuff. left Twitter in three days. My eyes feel like gravel. <laughs> <laughs> what are you using? You've got TweetDeck rolling a constant stream of the uh, of the Crossy Road? NaturalTwitter.com. What? I just used the website. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> there's another website, NaturalTwitter.com? <laughs> no. Um, and have, you looked, have yep. you looked at uh, the numbers? Because uh, in seven days, it's, you know, thousands and thousands of tweets. So it's, uh, yeah. But that, I guess, can that's an interesting one because, you know, Twitter's obviously not as big as it could be. Um, but you'd expect that people that are in this kind of gaming experience are uh, heavily there. I guess the the next, I'm just going to throw a product suggestion at you, but the whole social competitiveness experience would be a, a great next step. Uh, there was a great app called QuizUp, and uh, what I yeah. loved about it was yeah. it, it actually let me challenge individual people in my network, and I was able to you know beat them on a quiz or, or lose them to quiz and, and keep challenging them. And if you connect with Facebook, then I can say to people, I don't want to invite people into the game, okay? I don't want to have that whole annoying experience, but... If my friends are playing the game, I want to be able to see them on my own leaderboard kind of thing because, you know, uh, a couple of million people on a leaderboard doesn't make it very personal, does it? Connecting up to Game Center, it does actually do that. So you will, as you were talking about the high score line for your score, you'll mm. actually see the high score line for all your friends. Yeah, but my friends so, need to be on Game Center and yeah, I, that's you right. know, I need to connect them together. I don't, to be honest, I don't use Game Center. Yeah, so, well, when I, I play the game, I can barely see for all the scores, just because obviously I've told all my friends about. The, oh, the so game. so where where my yeah. my line my score line appears, you're seeing your friend's score line appear yeah, as well. Yeah, I, I oh, just see that's a, in, a sea of names. Yeah. That's intense, right? Yeah. Well, Andy, Matt, I'm kind of envious because I love the idea of the successful app. I mean, we there mm-hmm. it's always a great story. Uh, we still, even though apps have been around now for years. Yeah. It's still a great story, and, and you, yeah. must, you must get quite a smile on your face when people say to you, we want to talk to you about this app. It's absolutely fantastic. But the, the, like, the interesting thing is we, we're still just number two in this country. So if everyone <laughs> could go down right now and download it, maybe we can beat Dumb Ways to Die. <laughs> oh, Dumb Ways to Die is number one. Oh, see, I'll, I'll give you a tip. I haven't downloaded it. So I'll, I'll do you a favor. I won't download that. <laughs> it's Thanks. fine. It's fine. That's the best I yeah. can do. <laughs> I think it's quite funny that the number one and two apps in this country are essentially around being careful around trains. I've got bad news for you. Candy Crush Soda Saga seems to be number two right now. So we need to... Oh, are you looking on the iPhone? On the iPad, it's, oh. it changes. See, we think we're number two on iPad and number three on iPhone, that I think. That is correct. It's what juggling about... around a bit. We have beaten Candy Crush on you, and off. You're checking that every five minutes, aren't you? How often does that update? Pretty much, yeah. Every three hours it updates. <laughs> you know that is so gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dumb ways to die, not so good. Uh, but Crossy Road, Endless Arcade Hopper. Uh, it is it is an Aussie app developed by these two Aussie blokes. I love it. It's great fun. It is stupidly addictive. 
uh, and hopefully everyone jumps on and has some fun with it. Boys, congratulations. I think it's fun, and I hope that it, it does great things for you, both financially and just generally as a, as a reward for the hard work you've put into it. Good on you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Well, we do it all, including the apps. We do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin. Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technology. I've told you before, it's not just sat-navs in your car. It's not just fitness bands. We're talking everything tracking here. I mean, the golf devices alone are stunning. The Approach S6, all right? This is the $500 watch, but it is the ultimate Christmas gift, okay, for someone who loves golfing. This is first-of-its-kind GPS technology. It's the slimmest and lightest golf watch Garmin's ever made. It features swing metrics. So it knows the tempo of your swing, so how fast you swing. It knows it can train you with that by kind of beeping at you. And it knows the strength. So it's got sensors in it that knows how hard you hit that ball. Dedicated course view button with green view for manual pin positioning. Pin points a blind shot assistant, so you know where the pin is even if you can't see it. It's got a touch screen, high resolution. It's golf glove friendly. It's got 30,000 golf courses from around the world built into it. Built in, out of the box. Unbelievable piece of technology. And the great thing I love about it is you don't have to play golf on the course to love it. You can take this to the driving range and love it. It's on your wrist. It's not a device to carry around, although they make great ones of those as well. But seriously, you have to check this out. If there's someone in your family that loves golf, the Garmin Approach S6 is a stunning little device. It's available in black and white um, or dark and light. Um, it's uh, it's fantastic. Check it out. Garmin.com.au uh, Kudos to Apple uh, for their product red support continuing. Uh, they've been having, they've had devices that had the product red label on them and they were normally red devices uh, for something like eight years. Well, this year they've gone a step further. So as of from today through to December 7, you can find a bunch of apps with exclusive content. And every time you make purchases within those product red apps or an exclusive in-app purchase that they signify in those apps, proceeds go to the global product red fund to fight AIDS and create an AIDS-free generation. Oh, no one can argue that is a, a very noble goal. Additionally, on Monday, the 1st of December, so next Monday, World AIDS Day, Apple will donate a portion of every single sale at their retail and online stores to glo- to fight AIDS into the global fund. There is a bunch of things. Cut the rope, frozen free fall, FIFA 15, human body, heads up, even angry birds. I've listed them all at eftm.com.au. Check them out. Uh, a great initiative from Apple and uh, well worth supporting. If you've got an iPhone or uh, any iDevice or you're looking for an iDevice, think about getting a red one uh, during this time. Uh, and, and add more support for um, for AIDS research and uh, the goal of an AIDS-free generation. Noble stuff and uh, great to support Apple in that cause. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, uh, Your Tech Life, my name is Trevor Long. Get in touch anytime you like on the website eftm.com.au or jump on Twitter at Trevor Long. Now, uh, what is your tech type? What personality, what personality type defines you? That's what Microsoft wants to know because there's a lot of different devices out there, right? You've got smartphones, you've got tablets, you've got convertibles, uh, we've got phablets, so many different things. It's, uh, it's, it's quite amazing when you think about the number of pieces of technology. And while you may know what you like, it's almost impossible to think that uh, any, everyone else shares the same, uh, same loves and, and, and uses of those technologies. So what Microsoft has done is try to define 
those technology types. And uh, on the line is one of the men that helped them do that, Dr. Jonathan Hutchison. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks, Trevor. How are you doing? Very well. So tell me about, firstly, your your world. Uh, ethnographer? Digital yeah, yeah, so, ethnographer? So, yeah, so uh, essentially what that means is that I'm the sort of person that does research in digital spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ethnography is all about um, emerging yourself in that environment for an extended period of time um, and using what's called participant observation. So doing things with the people in that environment and then observing what happens in that space. So that's, a, I guess, a fancy way of saying that I like to hang out in Facebook for a long time and, you know, say that's my work. So you, you literally immerse yourself in, in, a, in a topic, in a, in, a, in a world, so that you can really do the best research on it rather than just reading up and doing a few interviews. Is that that concept? Yeah, that's essentially it. So instead of doing like what's called desktop research where you read a lot of articles about it, that's probably a starting point for ethnography, but then you actually get out into the environment and into that world and... And you know, participate in it and try and understand the people and the languages and the norms that are that are present in those spaces. Right. So Microsoft had this idea, I guess, to try and define a little bit uh, more the, the the tech types. And it's interesting because this kind of work happens in businesses all the time, um, trying to define their audiences, and it helps them build products. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a media organization or a device organization or a software company, it helps you determine how you build products and what you build. And what's interesting to me here is they not only decided to do that but they've decided to make it a very public thing um and i think that's really cool and to be clear people can join us in this kind of conversation by going to the website so it's microsoft.com.au forward slash tech types t-e-c-h-t-y-p-e-s one word tech types and i did this earlier only only a little while ago and it really only asked me a couple of questions um and i don't know whether that's because it really quickly worked out about me or whether everything is that simple but it's a simple character quiz, and it, it ends up giving you a result determining which of six tech types you are. The first question I guess I have for you is, how do you determine there's, there's only six, or is it just a matter of you have to kind of narrow it down in some way? Well, you do have to narrow it down in some way, and, and we started quite broad with this, with this research. And, um, and it was, I guess it started with Microsoft really wanting to know, you know, we all... Computing and, and technology is quite ubiquitous with our lifestyle yeah. now, and there's, there's that blur between you know business and, and leisure, um, and so that's kind of the starting point of this. And, and so what we wanted to do was dissect that understanding a little bit further, and get into it and try and and, and work out what if we could establish some sort of topology or, or understand you know what the characteristics of these technology types are actually like. So we started doing a little bit of research around this and and we found that most people or most researchers approach it from a level of use um, and and think about or talk about people in terms of if they're a high, medium or low technology user. But this just wasn't enough because it ignored things like social network penetration, um, exploration, um, lifestyle and passion, for example. Mm -hmm. So we tried to... We used that, that... foundational research and then brought in these types of characteristic traits to, to then try and, um, I guess, expand it out initially and then narrow it down. And, and finally, we settled on these six mm. um, tech types that we have. So let's talk about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <Less>. because, <laughs> because I'm a sharer, apparently. The sharer loves sharing life and new experiences with their wider social community. 
And people listening will know that because I you know, do it all the time on, on social media, creating an ongoing visual diary that's passionate, literate, and bursting with energy. They're happiest when showing the life they love to the people they care about. Now, it's very interesting because I was at a family wedding on the weekend, and um, the, the, my wife's aunt spent a fair bit of time saying to someone, you know, this is Trevor, you know, you should look at his Facebook. He's got this picture there or whatever. And, and she basically said that I Facebook too much, that I share too much. And I thought to myself... Well, you know, you can you can unfriend me. I mean, that's that's your problem, not mine. I, I'm just here to share, right? It's an interesting thing when you think about the different types because that's one of the things about it, isn't it? The, the there may be not clashes, but real personality differences that are similar to the way there are cultural differences in life and in society. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the important things about these um, the, what we've constructed these tech types is that they're fluid. They're not not defined categories as such. So, so for example, um, you know, you're a, you've said that you're a sharer and that's, that makes sense to you. But at the same time, you might have similar traits that are familiar with the creator or the tinkerer. And that's kind of the, the purpose of it is that you can, you can move between these categories, but it's just a starting point to say, okay, so, how, how do I fit within this technological world? Mm. Well, you know, I, I'm not satisfied with the technology that I get. I like to pull it apart, you know, pop the hood open, get the tools out, try and start tinkering with it a bit. So I consider myself a tinkerer. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you might be using technology to, you know, expand your knowledge around particular things. So, so in that sense, you know, you're a, you're a, a gatherer of knowledge or, you know, someone who might be, um, yeah, I guess the self-improver is a, is a good way to, to talk about So do you that. reckon you can easily answer these questions for someone else, the, the character quiz? You could, you could have, well, let's do it for my wife here. First thing you do when sure. you wake up in the morning, check social media or think about breakfast. There's another one there, which is, you know, put the, get the kids to stay out of the room for another half an hour, give me some more rest <laughs> yeah. probably. But oh, I think my wife just jumps on, on, on social media. Uh, when you're out with friends, you're well. She's not on a phone. She's living the moment, enjoying the memory. So it is only two questions. Is it two questions every time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. so it's a really simple way, which we've we've devised. Um, we did some focus groups around this, and and this, I guess, informed the the quiz that we're using. And and yeah. just based on the um, the initial categories that we developed, and then the responses that the the um, individuals within the within the focus groups got back to us with. That helped design the questions, which then helped design the technology types as well. So it's a really simple way of bringing those cultural and personal characteristics into some sort of um, logical or sequential way to, you know, try and identify yourself within, hey, what sort of technology type am I? So that's the point. Two simple questions, um, and it spits you out an answer of, Okay, so I'm a spectator, I'm a tinkerer, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you've immersed yourself in this world, does it then become like a requirement of your life that you need to be deeply involved in the results here? Because you can't just walk away from this. You, I'd be, see, I'm the kind of person, because of the internet, I know how the internet works. I know that Microsoft knows every number of people that to complete the survey. They, they, they probably know every number of people that are in every category. You'd want to know that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You'd want to know every time. Well, well, yeah, yes, 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 and no. Okay, so there's there's two two ways that we can think about this, and the first is that this is um, this has several points of departure that we can then focus on and do future research with. But then the other way, and this is where it's really interesting for Microsoft as well, is that they it, it, we employ what's called research design. So so now the information that we've gathered through this research process, 
we now take back to Microsoft and, and um, they look at it and they keep it in mind as they're developing new products. So, so eventually it's a, it's a win-win situation. So you've got Microsoft developing more nuanced and um, I guess specific tailored types of uh, technology and devices and then consumers who are also you know getting the benefits out of that at the same time. It's very cool. It, it is very cool. It's fun. It's simple. It's uh you know, it's not like it's, it's world-ending for anyone to have a bit of fun with it, have a play with it. No. And, yeah. and I guess, you know, at the same time, and we get this a lot, um, you know, people wanting recommendations about what to buy. And now my recommendations about what to buy are normally around specifications, you know, i7 processor with, you know, window, whatever. Whereas this is helping you not just with specifications, but with ideas. You know, this is Microsoft thing. They want to suggest some products to you that you, these types might like. So it's a quite a useful thing for that as well. But just for a bit of fun, a nice thing to do, microsoft.com.au forward slash tech types. Dr. Jonathan, thank you, mate. And uh, and good luck uh, trying to stay away from the minute-by-minute updates on the research. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Trevor. It's been a pleasure. Um, e-books. Not something I'm an expert on, if I'm honest. Okay? If I'm honest. Because I don't read a lot of books. But I've had a couple of Kobos, and my son is using a Kobo often. They they came and visited me last week and showed me a new device, which is available overseas, and it's going to be available here in February. Now, the reason they're telling us this early is basically because people buy these things on the internet, buy them overseas, and, and think they're not coming here. But it is coming here. You'll be able to buy it next year. It is the Kobo Aura H2O. And there's an obvious reason for the H2O. It's waterproof. Now, I took this thing to a, a, the be- a beach up at Foster on the weekend, and uh, I threw it on the sand, had the waves rushing over it, took it into the water, you know, sand everything, no dramas, washed it off in the water, in the in the ocean, and then took it home and washed it off again because I, well, I just figured it'd probably smell like salty water. Uh, but it worked a treat. It actually comes up when it's wet. It comes up with a message on the screen because it knows it's wet. It can detect the pressure on the screen, but you can still use it, even though it says that. And, uh, yeah, just fantastic stuff. The Aura, Kobo Aura H2O, two twenty nine. Not a great Christmas gift because it's not out till February, but if you are thinking of an e-book reader, it might be worth holding off for that one. Uh, it's a great little device, 6.8-inch screen for memory uh, and a beautiful high resolution. Like the, the resolution of this e-ink screen is actually quite stunning, really crisp lines and a great screen brightness um, levels that uh, really make reading anywhere, in any condition, uh, very, very easy. So if you're into your books, probably worth holding off and having a look for the Kobo Aura H2O when it's out next February uh, here in Australia. Uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, jump on the website eftm.com.au or jump on Twitter. Say hello at Trevor Long. And that is it for this week, episode 262. Back again next week with more, and we'll try and get to some of those calls. Apologies, I didn't get to you. Uh, that is all I had time for today. See, it was the doctor show. Dr. Michael with his shoe app, and Dr. Jonathan with the demographics, the Microsoft tech types. Seem very doctory. And uh, I want to know, I want you to tweet me your Crossy Road scores, okay? Uh, I want to know about them. Crossy Road, download it now. Help those boys. Uh, just do one in-app purchase. You know, why not? There's something like 1.5 million people on the leaderboard. There are a couple of million downloads. I'm feeling pretty good about my position on the leaderboard. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Talk to you next week on Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.